Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. The other day, I found myself in an interesting cycle with a friend who had called for advice. The cycle was one where I was asked to provide them with some ideas to a problem that they were facing of their own making. It was interesting because the person genuinely called for support and to vent. Vent in the healthy sense of, this is my problem, it's driving me nuts, and I'm looking for a solution or a strategy. Not dumping where it's problem after problem after problem without any intent of solving it. Well, anyways, while the conversation proceeded, my friend was almost combative with me as I offered reflections. Now, admittedly, I realize that sometimes I could be a little much, you know, with the whole optimism and empathy and let's charge into the storm business. However, I'm also someone who will not push back when I run into significant resistance as I'm trying to support someone. And I always measure that resistance when I hear this response. I know, but. Now, in Wisconsin, people say, yeah, but. (laughs) However, in a coaching conversation, defensiveness is a sign of an inability to be empathetic for oneself. And that's what I want to focus on today. Weirdly, during the conversation, I couldn't understand why they called me. I mean, I'm pretty predictable. However, if you call for coaching and you don't run my plays and you run your own plays anyways, then you get upset with me for offering you support. Well, what are you doing? I know what you're doing. You're being uncoachable. Now, Why is being coachable so important? Well, it starts with the fact that you are a leader, and leaders always have room for improvement. Because we're not perfect, and most importantly, a leader is anyone with influence over another person. And as a result, we have to be hyper-focused, hyper-focused on our own improvement so that we can help others. Sometimes, helping them by our own example. Now, how do we handle crisis, conflict, gratitude, and victories is what people are watching and looking for looking for how to learn from you. Because leadership is a positive burden. Everyone is watching us, and as a result, we need to be constantly looking for opportunities for improvement. And that only comes from being coachable. Second, it's important to be able to be empathetic and reflective, the two strongest qualities of Buffalo leaders. People who charge into the storm and do so wondering constantly about how others are doing, what they're experiencing, and what they need. Empathy fueled by reflection and curiosity. Okay, so the other night after my cyclical conversation where no matter what I said, I heard but from the other person. Well, I was laying in bed reading Greg Harden's book, Stay Sane in an Insane World. And I read the following line. If you don't believe in yourself, why should I believe in you? In other words, if you don't think you can, why should I help you get somewhere you won't go? Are you even coachable? It made me think of my friend, and more importantly, it sparked today's podcast because I laid there and stared at that line for at least five minutes thinking about the powerful, reflective punch it would have had on me if I had been sitting there with a defeatist mindset. I also wish I had seen that courageous prompt years ago. I've evaluated hundreds of people, and over the course of my life, I have never really enjoyed the process. However, I have always enjoyed coaching, and now, thankfully, most people are moving away from a scorecard of how well you complied, and we're moving to a more coaching model in our evaluatory conversations, and hopefully totally away from evaluation and into, here's what happened, and here's what we need to do, or here's what happened, and we're going to invite you to leave. 
However, are you willing to improve? I want to move to a coaching model of how well you've improved. Now, hear the difference. No more compliance, all improvement. Well, I hope you hear it because most people in my experience are still in the belief that even a coaching discussion is evaluatory and many people hear coaching as criticism, get defensive, and then stew on why it's not their problem. Instead, it is the problem of that person giving me the advice. A quick story. I remember the first time I had a defensive evaluatory conversation with a teacher when I was a young administrator. I was a new assistant principal and was given my evaluation list for the year. There were around 15 teachers on my list, and I was not mentored or modeled on how to do this when I got the job. I went off of my experiences as a teacher and how my principal evaluated and coached me. My principal, Dave, when I was a teacher, would come in and observe me the hour before my prep time, and then we'd walk out of the room together and debrief on my teaching in his office. I always liked it, and I always liked how he would do a T-chart of the positive things he saw and on the right side the things that I could think about improving. He was a great coach, and you know what? He would tell me some really good things. Things like, hey, this is not that big of a deal, but would you please consider? And I would listen, take notes, and then the next hour I would try whatever he suggested, and most of the time his ideas worked really well. So I would find myself more vulnerable with him as a new teacher, and eventually when I became a veteran-ish teacher, I'd seek more advice. As a result, when I became an administrator, I thought, hey, this worked for me. Let's try it on you. In my first semester as a new administrator, a lot had happened. September 11th, a war, a flood of new students from conflicts in Eastern Europe. Our school was changing very quickly right in front of everyone, and I was new. I was learning so much and, of course, managing everything from discipline to bus schedules to internal politics and a lot of things nothing could have prepared me for. I was over my head, but confident and sought coaching. So when I had done a few evaluations and used the process that worked for me and most people were receptive, I thought I was on to something. Until, of course, the day I was in a debrief with an older male teacher. Now, I had never had a problem with this teacher. He was always fun. He was super helpful to me, and I actually really enjoyed him. I went into his classroom and observed him, and when I left, I told him, hey, stop in and we'll process my notes. I'll never forget what he said to me. With an air of confidence I was not used to seeing from him, he said, just type it up and I'll sign it. I'm a good teacher. I know it, and I'm not really worried about what you're going to write about me. I mean, come on, Ted. My shirt's older than you. There's nothing you could possibly teach me. My eyes must have bugged out of my head because I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it because I thought, who is this guy? And frankly, his lesson was not very good. Student engagement was really low, and all he did was lean on his podium and lecture off an overhead sheet. He managed by making threats, and I was very surprised that he stood there like a college professor, and mostly because his students were sixth graders. I didn't know what to do. So I flashed the T-chart at him, and I said, the left is good, and the right is reflections for you. It had to have been one positive for each reflection. And he saw it, and very threateningly said, I might come down, I might not. A few days later, he came into my office, sat on the edge of my desk, leaned in and said, I will not be coached. And then he walked away. Now, now that I'm my age, which was his age then, I still can't understand how someone would refuse to be coached by someone younger or anyone. The very best leaders, players, teachers, and people are constantly looking for how to improve, and as a result, they're very coachable. They seek feedback. They want to know. 
What am I doing well and how do I improve from your perspective? You must be coachable as a person in order to improve. And if you think you are coachable, but no one ever steps into your space to tell you that you have opportunities for improvement, guess what? You are not coachable and you probably should start to reflect. Coaching is a delicate thing because it takes a little bit of trust from both parties, a certain level of risk, and a little vulnerability. When a total stranger with no credibility comes up and tells you in an uninvited matter things that you can approve, that can be tough. But when someone on the inside of your life or even the periphery is willing to make you better, well, be coachable. Okay, in doing some research on how to support coachability in others, I found this great punch list from Skyline G, a coaching service. Now, listen to this. Are you coachable or do you have red flags of being coachable? People who are coachable, well, they're open with others. You show support to your team members. You're willing to put your ego aside. You have a growth mindset. You celebrate solid results. You take steps towards transparency and openness. You compliment the ability of others. You listen to coaches actively trying to be coachable. You don't take things personally, and you are always focused on progress. Now, listen to this list. These are the red flags of being coachable. You talk more than you listen. You never ask for feedback from other people. You think that you know it all and never ask for help. You dispute and seek proof as to why the constructive feedback you receive is wrong. I love that when you offer criticism or coaching points to someone and the first thing they say is, can you give me an example? You're not even listening at that point. All you're doing is defending. Here's some more. You tend to reject other people's ideas. You can't accept criticism. You don't have a growth mindset. You aren't open to change. Your attitude is usually negative. Mm, You're a cow. You constantly see yourself as the victim in situations. You always have a defensive reaction. You don't recognize contributors when they deserve it. You have feedback phobia. (laughs) That might be my favorite. And finally, you avoid any challenges that could lead to criticism. Okay, so... What are the behaviors we need to have in order to be coachable? Because we just heard the list of what the coachable people are like and what uncoachable people are like. So I'm going to offer you six, and they are in order. The first one is active listening. I realize everyone thinks they know what this means, but I really want you to think about what you are like when you actively listen. I mean, I personally can feel in myself a change in my posture, my nonverbals, and how I physically feel. Active listening is more of a lean into the situation style. Real true active listening means this. You feel a true tunnel sensation as your mind shuts off all the noise. You're not thinking about what you will say or how you'll respond or trying to hold on to just another thought so you don't forget it. You're lost in the words of others. Truly, just hearing what they're saying. It's a learned behavior. And it comes from truly being present as information about you is being shared with you. You have to develop an ability to hear. Hear the points and hear the value in what wisdom is being invested in you. Invested in you. The second one, after active listening, is being able to process. Processing. Once you have absorbed all the ways in which you have the chance to be a better version of you, 
you process openly and vulnerably with the other person, not defensively or sharing examples of how you've already tried all of this. No, you are asking questions and are open to more feedback. You are processing the words, the intent, the value, the opportunities, and doing so with the person who was willing to share with you what is going on. When someone tells you, hey, you've got spinach in your teeth, that's a great example of someone who cares about you. It's a telltale sign that they care about you and are willing to risk embarrassing you to help you. Processing feedback to truly understand looks and sounds like this. Hey, I like that idea. Or how would you do it? Or I like that idea and when would you do it? Or if I do that, can I call you to process what the results were? Those are great signs of someone who's willing to process. The third step, openness. Openness to the simple fact that you are imperfect, that you are walking and talking and breathing and a living person who can and needs to get better. Open to the idea that this person in front of you is not judging you, instead is loving you. I mean, if someone is willing to offer you coaching tips and points as a person, professional or player, take it. When you are coached, it's like being a carpenter given a new tool. I mean, think of all the people for thousands of years Hammers and nails were their only tools. Then someone showed up one day with an air compressor and a nail gun and innovated everything for every carpenter. Imagine ignoring that tool and seeing someone use a stone axe that's, that's just purposely being uncoachable and stubborn. Can you imagine how many tools you'd have in your life toolbox if you were known to be someone who was coachable, who sought it out, who asked people to help you? Someone willing to not just take advice, but inquire, apply, and then close the loop back with the person who shared it with you. (laughs) Quick side note, I remember coaching high school varsity back in my teaching days, and there was one player who was an outstanding all-conference defender on our team. I mean, nothing could get past this young man. After each practice or each match, once everybody walked away, he would come up to me and ask me, can you show me one tip or one trick? I loved it. However, after three years of coaching this kid, I had nothing left. And you know what? That pushed me as the coach to go learn more. I ended up going to camps on defense, reading books. And then when his senior year came around after me studying for the spring and summer, he came back and I actually had a daily punch list of listed things to give him tips for. And every day he looked forward to it. As a matter of fact, some days he would see the list. He'd be like, coach, give me another one. I'd be like, no, then I've got nothing to do with you tomorrow. Why is this so important? Well, even as coaches, we don't have all the answers. So we have to look for other resources or connect people. But I wanted him to keep coming to me. So I had to grow as a coach. Are you willing to grow as a coach? Are you willing to grow and be coachable? It only comes if you have a willingness to be open to the opportunity to constantly be better. The next behavior, risk. Take the risk and try some of the coaching. Too many people refuse to try. I used to work for a man who was born and raised in Germany. And when he'd ask you to do something, as my boss, and you answered, okay, I'll try, he'd say, there is no word in the German language for try. There is only do. And I used to think, wait a minute, did he watch Star Wars? But anyways, years later, when I no longer worked for him, I went to visit him and I asked him, hey, For years, this has been on my mind. What did you mean when you said the word try in the American culture is not 
really a word in any other culture. And he said, in the American culture, it always feels like people use use it as an excuse because they would say, I'll try. And what they actually meant was, it's not going to work. And what he meant was he wanted you to take risks, attempt, do. Or, as Yoda would say for my Star Wars friends, there is no try, only do and do not. Risk means that you will do, that you'll give it your best shot. Not go into thinking there's no way this will work. Take the risk, trust the process, be different. When being coached by others, you must take the risk of changing your behaviors. We on the outside, the ones watching you, are seeing something that we had the courage to bring to your attention. And now you need to approach things differently and grab the courage that we're offering you so that you're better. Take the risk. Try it. Next, (laughs) the George Michael rule. Faith. In the process, in the person. Having faith in the process and the person. Faith is a belief in something. And when a coach and friend give you coaching points, you must remember that they did so because they have faith in you. Now, you, yeah, you have to have faith in the two things. First, yourself, and second, that it will work. Too often, we can't say or do things. And we can't and can'ts then turn into won'ts. And we lose faith that we can do it. Don't have a can't attitude because it will turn to a won't. Have a do attitude. We also lose faith in the other person because we create reasons they might have told us to do something. Come on. The only reason anyone gives you coaching points is because they want you to be better and that they care. Life isn't some movie or drama on Netflix where everyone has some ulterior motive that they benefit from your downfall. They don't do that. They ultimately benefit from you getting successful. They don't ultimately benefit from your failure and then get your husband and your Porsche. (laughs) You have to have faith. Faith that they want you to be the best version of yourself and would only give you this advice if they really cared. And that's where it comes from. Have faith in the process, have faith in the coach, and have faith in the strategies. And backing up, take risks. All right, last one and number six. Reflection through positive internal dialogue. Reflection through positive internal dialogue. I, I, I know so many people who are given advice and then spin themselves to the verge of madness because they did not follow the other five steps that we just talked about. They don't listen and they hear everything through a filter of deficits. They then fuel their narratives by looking for the negative evidence about themselves and they spiral until they blame the other person. Come on. Positive intent, judging good, believing in yourself. These, like muscles, are things you have to work on in your own mind. Now, I love when I get a weird internal dialogue while I'm driving and realize how absolutely ridiculous I'm being, but I still spin myself there, and I know you do too. However, to get out of it, sometimes I need to call others with a prompt that helps me build positive internal dialogue. A few years ago, I was really frustrated about something that was so important at this moment, I don't even remember what it was. (laughs) Like so many things, right? Anyway, I called and I called a good friend and I said something that has become a prompt for me and makes it safe for me to seek advice from others. I called this longtime friend and colleague and we exchanged the normal pleasantries. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, I'm calling because I need some coaching. That was my stem sentence. That shook the other person awake. I shared my issue, and then I said, Knowing me as well as you do, what am I missing? 
What are my blind spots? Am I on the right track? And what should I consider? You see, seeking support to build up a positive mindset is as important as hearing others when they notice that you don't have a positive mindset. Seeking solutions, strategies, ideas, and support is not a weakness. It's the exact opposite. It's a Herculean level strength. It took me too long to figure out that when you seek coaching, you are not weak. You are building confidence in yourself and the other person. You are growing others with you. You are creating a network of care and concern for yourself. And you are growing while helping others. Everyone who coaches or is coached grows from these six steps. Everyone gets stronger, faster, wiser, and better. Being coachable is critical for a bunch of stuff like life, success, competition on the field, and in life. And most importantly, it's critical for your mental fitness. Get the stories out of your head. Surround yourself with people who care enough to tell you what's going on in your life. And most importantly, actively listen, process, be open, take risks, have faith, and be reflective. Now that was what to do. Now let's look at one don't do. Don't be uncoachable by being a justifier. In other words, when someone offers you something to consider, don't justify your current behavior by constantly saying, yeah, but you don't understand. That's not what I needed. Justifiers are building walls and saying, I know better than you, so leave me alone. All right, we're not closing on that. But as we close out this episode, I want to share with you a language to use as prompts when you are trying to coach others. I believe that leaders need to race to predictability, that they need to have a language that positively jolts people to be hyper-present when a coaching opportunity presents itself. So here are my favorite prompts. And anyone I work with or know will likely have heard these prompts, and now you'll know that you were being coached. When starting the conversation, I like to say things that lead them like, let me share another way to approach this with you. I'm going to offer you a reflection. This is coming from a place of care and concern. And I don't even know how to start this, so I'm just going to say it. When I've learned those prompts over the years, I find them to be non-threatening. They do jolt people, but in a positive way. Because when you care enough to coach, it demonstrates that you care enough to do it, to be there for them, that you care enough about them. Now, here are some prompts for you when you are being coached and have received ideas. Are you ready? In an effort for you to truly be reflective and open and apply these things, you need to say things when people coach you like this. Thank you for this. I imagine it may have been difficult for you to tell me that. Thank you for this. I needed to hear that. Thank you for caring enough to share. Thank you for being so considerate to make sure that I knew these things about myself or the way I was in that situation. Thank you for giving me the respect to help me be better. Thank you. Did you hear a theme there? I hope so. Focusing on being coachable. Focus on being coachable. Focus on coaching others. Focus on being better for others. When being coached, don't see it as a negative, but a positive. When coaching, be considerate, and no matter which side of the conversation you're on, be grateful that someone in your life cares enough to be a Buffalo leader for you and charge into the storm with you, especially when you're facing it alone. So let's do some smart thinking. 
Describe your willingness to be coached. I mean, are you coachable? List the people in your life that you would want coaching from. And describe how you have traditionally responded to being coached. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you so much for listening. And please make sure to share and rate this episode so that I can help others and you help others be better versions of themselves. And thank you to the Well Pennies for their great music. I'm going to play some of their holiday seasonal music here to end today's episode. But please make sure to follow them on your music platform and support my good friends, Brian and Sarah. Now, my favorite memories of coaching kids was coaching my own children and the rides home we'd have. Now, in particular, I coached my son Charlie for 10 years in soccer. I also coached him in basketball. I coached him in baseball. I coached everything just to be around him and always be present. But for 10 years, from 4K through 14, I coached one particular sport, and it was soccer. And every game we drove to, during the drive, I was his coach. And on the drive home, I was his dad. The same guy, me, but two totally different types of rides. The entire ride there, we would talk about all kinds of stuff. But the last few miles were always what he needed to do. And I was his coach at that point. I'd tell him how to help others, what he needed to do for his teammates, how to motivate them, and how to play and respond to different things taking place on the field, what skills he needed, what I would need him to do today, all of those different things that you would get if your dad was your coach and you were trapped in his car. He'd ask questions and we'd talk about emotions, skills, and being a good teammate, being mentally and physically present, driving himself to exhaustion so he could see and know what he could potentially do. But on the ride home, I always tried to flip to being his dad, listening to him, listening to him describe what it was like to be on the field, how he made his decisions, what he felt good about, where he was nervous and what he needed building up for, complimenting his performance or, and many times, being critical of his performance. He'd ask me if I saw certain things and he'd ask for advice on what to do in certain situations because he was asking his dad who was coaching him, not his coach who had coached him. Charlie and I have a great relationship this way, and he knows I'll tell him the truth. As he became a player on other teams, whether that was his club team, his high school varsity team, or even now in college, he immediately asks me at the end of the game, how do you think I did? And I always give him an honest assessment of his play. Especially now that he's a college player, I'll videotape him through my phone and I'll comment play by play on what he's doing or his attitude or his mindset, and I'll send that video to him during the game so that I can't, you know, I can't filter it later. Anyway, Charlie taught me what a person who is coachable is like one day at his senior banquet in high school. You see, Charlie's high school soccer coach was his coach for four years and was giving him his letter and captain's award as he was graduating, and he complimented Charlie for being coachable. Coach O'Brien said that you can always tell a coach's kid. They ask questions. They're looking for improvement. They need ideas and are always curious. They always encourage other people. They look for the best in others, and they try really hard every day, every practice to get better. I love this because all of those things were Charlie's choices, and I think that is what we should all aspire to be. My son's one of my heroes because he's 10 times the man I was when I was his age. He is always looking for coaching, and as a result, he's going to be an amazing coach himself. He understands. He understands about how to be empathetic for himself, 
how to be empathetic for others. He understands the power of taking other people's input. He actively seeks it, and he is looking for others to help him be his best, while at the same time looking to help other people themselves be them best. People depend on him, and they look to him for advice and validation and ideas because he is trustworthy, he is anxious and seeks coaching, and he's confident. That's a great combination. So this week, be a Charlie. (laughs) Be coachable. Seek input. And most importantly, take a positive mindset into the storm and be vulnerable and look for other buffaloes around you so that they can teach you new ways to be your best. Or be the buffalo who charges in other people's lives and coaches them to to be what they need, which is the best version of themselves. It's cold and terrible weather But I feel as light as a feather Snowed in the weekend next to you Bourbon and honey together I can't think of anything better Snowed in the weekend next to you Kokomo just doesn't cut it Maui's nice and summer But it's coziest with Snowden next to you Dancing to Louie and Ella No shoes, you're my Cinderella Snowed in the weekend next to you This time you know I can tell her Doesn't cut it Maui's nice in summer But it's coziest When snowed in next to you You and I spent winter dancing Held up in the cold romance And snowed in for the weekend Here with you Summer, but it's coziest when it's